Today is January 20th, 2021, and this is an inauguration episode number 39 of Blurred Laws in Life with me, your host, Richard Bush. I have said throughout Blurred Laws in Life that I do not want this show to be a political show, that I've avoided it being a political show. But how can I ignore these last several months and these last four years, especially when the headline that I read this morning in the news was that as Trump departs office, reality sets in for a QAnon cult. You ever heard of the QAnon cult? Well, I had not heard of the QAnon cult, but apparently there is something called the QAnon cult. And the article begins by saying, it began with a cryptic remark by President Trump at a photo op with senior military leaders in October 2017. In quotes, the article says, Trump said, you guys know what this represents? Maybe it's the calm before the storm. Everyone was perplexed. What did he mean? Within a few weeks, the article says, an explanation for the remark began to take shape in the shadows of the internet. On a right-wing message board where someone who called himself Q, the designation for top secret clearance from the Department of Energy, which supervises America's nuclear arsenal, began spinning out a Barack paranoid fantasy in elliptical coded hints known as crumbs. The core myth elaborated over the next three years with contributions from a burgeoning cadre of followers was that Trump was planning the destruction of a worldwide ring of Satanist pedophiles that included, in various versions, deep state bureaucrats, global financial elites, prominent Democrats, and inevitably, Jews. Yep. The fantasy ended at noon on January 20th when Joe Biden took the oath of office, while the erstwhile QAnon hero, now just Donald Trump ex-president, skulked off to his estate in Florida without even a Twitter account to his name. Trust the plan was the mantra of true believers. Just think, one posted hopefully on January 19th, today and tomorrow will be the holidays for your children. Now QAnon has turned on Mr. Trump. Thanks, Trump, read one post. You sold out your country. This is what we now no longer, hopefully, have to endure as a country. Also, of course, in the news has been further facts uncovered during the investigation related to the attack on the Capitol building. Just this past week, the Justice Department has filed its first conspiracy charges against members of a group known as the Oath Keepers, who apparently planned to seal in lawmakers in the tunnels under the Capitol and to turn on gas to kill them, including 
Vice President Pence. These are the people that President Trump said that he quote-unquote loved and that they were quote-unquote very special on the day of the Capitol attack. So forgive me if on January 20th, 2021, I feel, and I think our country should feel, cleansed. Cleansed from the idiocy, cleansed from the craziness, cleansed from the hatred, cleansed from the divisiveness. I, for one, feel much cleaner today and feel like sanity, hopefully, has returned. This is Blurred Laws and Life. So is this an appropriate subject? Are my opinions about what occurred appropriate for this podcast? They are. Because obviously laws were broken. And as I mentioned, some of these insurgents, some of these people who attacked the Capitol building resulting in five deaths will face very serious charges. And... Mr. Trump and Mr. Giuliani, who said that he was looking for trial by combat right before this occurred, may or may not be charged. But interestingly, Mitch McConnell, the senior senator, the leader of the Senate, came out just today on January 20th and said that Donald Trump is to blame for that attack on the Capitol building. Specifically, Senator McConnell, a GOP senator, a Republican in Mr. Trump's party, said that Mr. Trump had, quote-unquote, provoked the violent mob of the president's supporters. Mr. McConnell, on the Senate floor, said, quote, the mob was fed lies, end quote. He said, quote, they were provoked by the president and other powerful people, and they tried to use fear and violence to stop a specific proceeding of the first branch of the federal government, which they did not like. This is a significant statement. The GOP Republican senators, when the trial of Mr. Trump begins for impeachment, and remember last week we talked about this, we said that both the Democrats and the Republicans, Republicans who don't want Mr. Trump to run for office again, have every incentive to convict him of inciting an insurrection, which is what the House of Representatives have impeached Mr. Trump for. Because if he is found guilty, he cannot run for federal office again. He cannot run for president in 2024 again, and the Republican Party probably does not want to see Mr. Trump run again. So now they have every incentive to convict him. And so we cannot chalk this up to a coincidence that Mitch McConnell, on the day that Joe Biden was inaugurated as president of the United States, January 20th, 2021, said publicly on the Senate floor that Mr. Trump provoked 
the mob to stop the specific proceeding of the first branch of the federal government. That is, by definition, the crime of insurrection, inciting an insurrection. So it is not a coincidence that he essentially said that Mr. Trump, in his eyes, was guilty of the offense that the House of Representatives has now impeached him on. It's also not a coincidence, I believe, that he did not just say that Mr. Trump did this, that he said other powerful people did as well. I believe that's probably a reference to Mr. Giuliani. So as we know, the U.S. Attorney for Washington, D.C. has said, for the District of Columbia has said, that charges against everyone is on the table. Again, I do not believe that it is a coincidence that Mr. McConnell made that statement and specifically referenced other people. Mr. McConnell has said with respect to impeachment and voting on whether to convict Mr. Trump, he has not made a final decision on how he will vote and he intends to listen to the legal arguments when they are presented to the Senate. I have friends who support President Trump, as you know, our good friend Polo Dodon supports President Trump. Others do, and they draw the distinction between the man, the things that he says, the people that he panders to, and his policies, his economic policies, which are helpful, low taxes, no one likes to pay taxes, but at some point you cannot sell your soul for low taxes. When the President of the United States says that there are good people on all sides and one side has neo-Nazis and white supremacists, you have to draw the line. And when there are people attacking the Capitol building, one of whom has a Camp Auschwitz sweatshirt on and he says that these people are special and he loves them, you have to draw the line. I am sure that my Republican friends, my friends who support Mr. Trump, will not appreciate me expressing these opinions on this podcast, Blurred Laws in Life, but I really don't care. This has been a charade and a circus. People have been killed, and this country has been torn apart. It has been the most divisive four years I personally can recall in my lifetime. And I'm just happy it's over. Now the question became, and this was a topic of conversation in the press and we discussed it, whether Mr. Trump would and could pardon himself before he left office. He didn't. He didn't attempt to. He did pardon more than 100 people, but he did not pardon any of those who stormed the Capitol building, and I'm sure they feel betrayed somehow by Mr. Trump. I've heard that in the news, that the far right wing feels betrayed by Mr. Trump somehow. So the question is, could he have pardoned himself? And why didn't he? Or Rudy Giuliani, for that matter. So I've researched the issue. And in fact, the Department of Justice concluded in 1974 that a president 
cannot pardon himself. But courts have had no occasion to affirm that conclusion. Mr. Trump does face various potential legal actions. As I understand it, New York State is investigating him and his companies for tax-related issues. We all know and we heard that he pressured the Georgia Secretary of State to quote-unquote find enough votes to overturn the state's election result, which may be seen to violate federal law, making it a crime to attempt to deprive citizens of their right to a fair and impartially conducted election. As mentioned also, his call to an angry mob to march on the Capitol has every appearance of violating federal law defining a seditious conspiracy as one that uses force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States or to hinder or delay the execution of any law of the United States. And these are not just my comments. This comes from an editorial in the USA Today. While it's now moot because Mr. Trump did not pardon himself, the Constitution, Article 2, grants the president the power to issue pardons except in cases of impeachment. So that would suggest that he can do whatever he wants, including pardoning himself. As the editorial in the USA Today, however, points out, this would be absurd because a president could therefore pardon himself for bribery or treason or fermenting insurrection and then recommit the same acts and pardon himself again. So the general wisdom is that a president cannot pardon himself. It is believed that Mr. Trump did not pardon himself because if he had, that would incentivize those in power to actually challenge his right to pardon himself and make it appear that he was pardoning himself because he knew he was guilty of a crime, thus making it more likely that he be prosecuted. Makes sense to me. It is straight from Shakespeare, thou doth protest too much. If he were to have pardoned himself, the implication is that he had committed a crime that needed pardoning. And if the pardon was successfully challenged judicially and overturned, then the likelihood would be that Mr. Trump and Mr. Giuliani and anyone else pardoned along those lines for these types of crimes, these alleged crimes, would be prosecuted in all likelihood. So it appears he rolled the dice and is going to take his chances. And so on Blurred Laws in Life, we will see, because this is a blurred law, and nothing has affected our lives more than this circus, this melodrama over the past four years and the past several months. So we will see what happens. Will the Senate hold the trial? Will they vote to convict Mr. Trump or Mr. Giuliani or others? Will prosecutors, either state or federal, come after the president and his associates? While Mr. Trump is no longer in office, while Mr. Trump is no longer the president of the United States, while Mr. Trump no longer has the protection as the president of the United States, something tells me 
This is far from over and perhaps has just begun. Five people died on the attack at the Capitol building. Our democracy was challenged. Numerous people have been arrested and will be arrested. The charges will become more serious, I believe. Others will be charged, including possibly the former president of the United States. And of course, we will cover it all on Blurred Laws and Life. So I guess this episode of Blurred Laws and Life, episode number 39, could actually be seen as episode number 38, part two, because Last week, we also spoke about the fact that the legislature, continuing its attack on big tech, has continued also to raise the specter of repealing Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act. And we spoke about that last week. But a lot more has been said on that subject since then, and the potential crippling consequences that repealing Section 230 of the Act would have on the internet. So I thought, you know what? We had spoken about the attack on Capitol Hill on the last episode of Blurred Laws in Life. We were following up with further aftermath, and I thought, well, we might as well dig a little deeper into this issue as well. As I mentioned last week, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act protects websites from liability for user-generated content while allowing them flexibility to moderate content. The key piece of Section 230 is just 26 words. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. This law was actually adopted years before Facebook, Twitter, or even MySpace existed. Section 230 helped to usher in the internet, enabling websites to rely on user-generated content without the risk of enormous litigation. For example, online travel sites like Booking.com, Expedia, and TripAdvisor depend on user recommendations. So do ride-sharing companies, food delivery services, and movie and book review sites. Killing Section 230 would put all of these companies in significant jeopardy. The author of the statute has noted that before Section 230, Courts developed the theory that internet platforms had no liability for illegal user content unless they moderated the content. Only if a platform made no effort to enforce rules of online behavior would it be excused from liability for its users' illegal content, Congressman Cox explained. This creates a perverse incentive, he continued, To avoid open-ended liability, internet platforms would need to adopt what the New York Supreme Court called the anything-goes model for user-created content. 
So Section 230 ultimately gave internet platforms the freedom to moderate that content. An author commenting on this rule said it's unclear how courts would rule absent Section 230, but it's conceivable they would take a different approach, finding internet platforms liable regardless of whether they tried to moderate. In that scenario, the author noted, repealing Section 230 would lead to heavy censorship, the opposite of what many 230 critics seem to want. Eric Goldman, a law professor at Santa Clara University, who focuses on internet regulation and Section 230, said he is quote-unquote petrified about a potential repeal, which would have serious and unpredictable consequences. Mr. Goldman sees risks for video conferencing services like Zoom, which could be liable for inappropriate content displayed on a call, forcing Zoom to monitor content. Bobby Mullins, an analyst with investment firm Gordon Haskett, warned in a research note last week that voiding Section 230 would create serious risks for Airbnb. The company could be sued for negative reviews about property listing on its apps. The company would also have legal exposure for listings out of compliance with local laws, likely requiring costly pre-listing reviews. Mr. Goldman said, quote, I see the train wreck coming, end quote. For the last few years, the president has been dumping on Section 230 with a massive megaphone. Most of the problems President Trump complained about have nothing to do with Section 230. The author notes that it's worth noting that President-elect Joe Biden has expressed support for a 230 repeal also. Mr. Goldman thinks that Section 230 needs a champion, but natural supporters have gone silent. Jeff Kossoff, a lawyer and assistant professor in the Cyber Science Department of the U.S. Naval Academy, is an author of the book, The 26 Words That Created the Internet, which is a 300-page history of Section 230. He wrote, quote, the modern internet is built on the foundation of Section 230. To eliminate Section 230 would require radical changes to the internet. These changes could cause the internet to collapse on itself. The internet without 230 would be an internet in which litigation threats could silence the truth. With every law comes unintended consequences. When one complains about a law or seeks to repeal it, there would be unintended consequences. It seems to me that this attack on Section 230 is an attempt to blame the messenger, blame the vehicle, and not blame those who are responsible for the comments, the vitriol, the hatred, the trolling spewed on the internet every day. The free and open internet is the backbone, the cornerstone of our current society. And I think politicians will ultimately come to that conclusion that while perhaps there need to be some tweaking to Section 230, it certainly cannot be repealed. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode number 39 of Blurred Laws in Life. I said at the beginning of episode number one of Blurred Laws in Life that this podcast would be open to all views and opinions, including mine. And while I generally have not expressed my opinions on political or other issues and left that to my guests, or others, or simply reported facts, 
in light of the events of the last two months, if not the last several years, and specifically the storming of the Capitol building, I felt compelled, if I was going to be true to this show, to express how I felt about these events. Not just report on what happened, not just discuss what happened, but provide my view of it. We are better as people when we are united and we are worse as people when we're at each other's throats. And those that would divide us make us weaker. And the insurgents and the bigots among us are not to be told they are special and they should not be told they are loved. Especially when one such insurgent has on a Camp Auschwitz sweatshirt. I hope you've had a good January 20th. I've watched the inauguration proceedings today. I felt uplifted. I felt like this is a new beginning for this country. I hope you all feel the same way. And I look forward to speaking to you again next week on Blurred Laws and Life. And don't forget to follow us on the Blurred Laws and Life Instagram page where we now have 209 followers. Have a good week, everyone. And thank you for listening to Blurred Laws and Life.